0: Good morning. Let's stand for the reading of the memory work for the month of April. It's the last four verses of Psalm 46. The reason why we do this is not only to follow an ancient saying that we want to be searching the scriptures, but we want the scriptures to search us. In order for scriptures to search us, we have to be in it, whether we're reading it or whether it comes. To our mind, So let's say together these words from Psalm 46. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease. He breaks, he breaks the bow and shatters the spear and burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Our scripture reading for this morning is in Luke 14. And now I'm going to begin reading at verse 12. And uh, I need a little feedback down here, Dan. I don't know what that is. We had to change mics like, one second before I walked up here, so we're I have something going on. As Dan is working on that, we're going to read uh, Luke 14, beginning at verse 12. You can follow on your tablet or a phone or a book, or just listen as I read the verses aloud. I invite you to join with me by standing, either in spirit or physically. Reverence before God as we hear these words from the book that we love. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go see it, please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out, please excuse me. And still another, I just got married, so I can't come. Servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor the crippled the blind and the lame sir the servant said what you have ordered has been done and there is still room then the master told his servant go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full i tell you not one of those who were invited will get to taste of my banquet god's very word Thanks be to God, and you may be seated. Thank you. The family table is a place where we feel we all belong. Whether it is blood family or not, it's a place where you know you're welcome when you come to the family table. And welcoming others to your family table is a wonderful thing, but it is filled with some risk. Because... People might be a little bit messy at your table. They might not follow your expectations in their coming. They might spill things. They might use their sleeve as napkins. They might not be using the right utensils if they use utensils at all and chew rather loudly. But for people to know that they are truly welcome, that they belong they need to be welcomed regardless of any mess they come with because as followers of jesus we know god has welcomed us with all of our mess and so he calls us to take that same welcome and extend it to others researcher eric carter did a study of families that had a family member that had a disability and these families who didn't go to a church And he asked them, why don't you attend? What do you need in order to get plugged in? Well, Dr. Carter, as he met with hundreds of these families, developed what he called the 10 dimensions of belonging. Some of you picked up the sheet as you came in. Some received it uh, two weeks ago. That belonging has to do a lot more than simply just being welcomed but being fully a part of the community. There's one up there called Needed. It's on the uh, upper left hand. It's green. He also gives a description on the paper that is part of the handout of what being needed means. And he says this, that each person brings gifts to the community that are seen as indispensable. That each person, regardless of any handicap they might have or any disability that they have, solely included in the community and engaged and using gifts and skills for they are seen as indispensable and that's what he found out families wanted they wanted a place to truly belong and it, start, it strikes at the very heart of what it means to be the body of Christ that we need all parts not just the public parts but all have the opportunity to contribute though in different ways and so we're going to be exploring for the next little while what it means to engage and fold show that all people are needed as part of the family in God including those who might have a disability part of that is found in the story that Jesus told in Luke 14 It's a parable that talks about guests who come to a family table. He talks about the guest list. And as he talks about the guest list, the people who think that they should be invited are not necessarily the people on Jesus' guest list. Jesus is having a family meal with someone, with a large group of people, and it's likely there's someone up there who feels like they are worthy to receive an invitation to come to the table of Jesus but instead Jesus has a very different and a radical guest list of people he invites the guest list for Jesus includes the crippled and the lame and the poor and the blind the misfits The homeless and the diseased one translation puts it this way all who look like they need a square meal are on his guest list the list includes people who don't have anything that they can contribute in the same way something they can contribute but they probably couldn't host a dinner and invite the master back in fact probably some of the people who are invited to the table couldn't even get to the table on their own they might need some help and so when this story Jesus is showing what the father's table is like that it is set for the vulnerable it is set for the forgotten it's set for those who can't reciprocate back in kind he says when throwing a banquet when opening up your home welcoming people in don't just invite your family and friends but people that you know who need to feel that they belong and are accepted and are welcomed and are needed so Jesus talks about the guest list and he sends out three different invitations in this story he says that the banquet is prepared the feast is ready and so this rich master sends out his servant to go to those who first of all probably feel like they deserve to be invited to this man's house and to sit at his table. Now it was a custom in those days by those who were fairly wealthy to send out get ready to be invited postcards. A pre-invitation invitation. I'm going to be throwing a banquet and you're going to be invited. I don't know really when, but just get ready because the invitation is coming. And when the invitation came, those who were deemed worthy came up with their excuses. I just came into some money, so I got to study the market. I just bought a Corvette, so I got to check it out. I just got married, and my spouse won't let me go. Three excuses that the Jewish culture would have not viewed as acceptable. Now if you've been watching the series called The Chosen, there is a part of the story that talks about this and it confused me a little bit because their portrayal was that these excuses would have been acceptable, acceptable excuses. Now, the people that I go to and the people that I read, people like Ken Bailey, come out and say, these excuses would not have been acceptable, so that's the direction that I'm going with. Ken Bailey says if someone would have given this excuse to not come to a banquet, they would have been scoffed and laughed at. Because when the invite came, they were expected to come. In fact, it would have been an insult that they would have given to the master not to come. And as we get into the story and we read about the excuses, we must remember that we have our own excuses too, don't we? When we are given gracious offers from a very generous master and king. Excuses that speak about our own comforts. And our own convenience Well, that's the first group of invites that were sent, probably to people who felt like they deserved to be invited. Well, the master is furious, but it didn't stop him. So he orders his servant to go out and to bring in others. And so we see in here the first command to go out to others. Go out beyond your circles and go out to others and let them know the Master's Feast is ready. Pull in the homeless. Pull in the poor. Go out and meet the destitute. Go out to the beggars. Bring in those from the nursing home. Bring in those from the halfway house. All those that the world would look over and reject. Bring them to this great banquet. It's part of our story, isn't it? We could say that's probably a likely group we could be in. We could be spiritually homeless, morally bankrupt, spiritual bad people who are outside of God's grace and goodness and he reached out to us and he brought us in. The invitation is made wide and it reaches the marginalized and it reaches the hidden Uh, he mentions in here go to the streets and to the alleys the streets were the well-traveled roads where you would expect to find the beggars that's what you'd expect to find on the streets and the alleys were alleys they were hidden they were on the side They were the place where others went who wouldn't want to be seen or a place where they were put so others couldn't see them. They would put in the alleyway. So the servant is called to go past the nice neighborhoods to go past the synagogues and find these people. The kingdom of God includes all those that the religious elite would not accept in and included in that group would be the Gentiles a radical concept that sitting down at the table with the Jewish people would be the Gentile people an expanded guest list the servant goes out quickly and he fulfills the master's desire well in verse 22 The servant says that he has done all of that. He has gone into the streets, and he has gone down the alleyways. But there are still empty tables at the banquet. And so in verse 23, the servant is called out to go into the highways and the hedges, the roads, and the country lanes, some of the translations say. The roads and the country lanes include those locations around the city where the untouchables were. And the servant was to do more than simply invite them. He was to compel them to come. And he wouldn't start the banquet. The banquet wouldn't be complete until all those who needed to be gathered would be gathered in. So all those who made excuses who chose their comfort and their convenience, who would not go to the banquet. They would not even get the smallest taste of the Master's feast. Well, as Jesus tells the story, as I retell it, we clearly see that this is a story about God's outrageous grace. These are all pictures of the grace that Jesus offers. Because who among us hasn't been physically, emotionally, or spiritually poor, blind, or crippled? Did you feel like any of those adjectives described you, who you were? In what ways had we been, or are we, poor, blind, and crippled. Who among us hasn't had bouts of fear, times of discouragement, being slighted, and the hurt that comes with that? Here comes the Master's grace, a grace of forgiveness, a grace of new life, a grace of restoration, and it's given to all. No one is outside of the invitation and that's why jesus came he came and suffered and died and rose again so that anyone and everyone could receive that invitation and through faith and repentance could come into this family meal that jesus was hosting well that's the grace it's the grace to come to jesus but there is a second kind of grace and that is it's a grace that's called to the community god's grace goes to others through us he commissions us as individuals to go and to compel people and he compels us as a community to go to find, and compel, and to bring in. The place that we meet needs to be a welcoming place, just as Jesus welcomed us to his place. This offer of grace is not just for us and what we do in our daily life. This offer of grace needs to be done by the community of faith that gathers together. And the offers that we have and the invitations that we send out that people can find God's grace if they're feeling physically, emotionally, spiritually crippled, blind, hurt, or outcast. The church extends that grace to those who cannot reciprocate in the same way. This is God's guest list. And he always wants our guest list to work off of his guest list. And just made me wonder, who are the people that we have on our individual guest list? Who are the people that we invite over? Who are the people that we call up and want to meet for lunch, meet for coffee? What does that look like? Would it be spattered with people that would be on Jesus' guest list? And Then how are we doing as a community? Going not only in the roads, the alleys, the hedges, the backwaters, the places, places where most people are forgotten, and inviting them to come in too. It involves moving beyond our typical friendships, finding people who are different so that God can show his grace to them through us. That's what it means to be a community of grace, that we're working together to make that invitation compelling. So when others come, we offer them the blessing of knowing that they can belong to God and they can belong to His community. And for people to discover God's grace and belonging with God's people in today's world, they need to experience an unconditional acceptance that Christ's church offers to people. If God's grace is the seed, that needs to take place in people's hearts, then the radical acceptance of God's people to others is the soil that allows that seed to be planted. The seed is the grace, the soil is the acceptance of God's people. For people to know about the grace of Jesus, in spite of everything that they can be accepted they can be forgiven. Words alone don't do it. Words like, Christ died for your sins. Words like, for God so loved the world. For many, the words don't have the impact that they did years ago. Many people won't believe that those words are true until they feel it, see it, and experience it. In fact, many people don't even know those words. Do you remember a football player by the name of Tim Tebow? Remember him? He uh, played for the University of Florida, played with a few different pro teams, won the Heisman Trophy, very expressive in his faith of Jesus Christ. You know, football players, they, they, they put this thing under their eyes supposedly to cut the glare out. I don't know if it's true, but they do that. Probably looks pretty cool. And so. They, they had these things in their eyes. And so, uh, at the national championship game of college football, Tim Tebow put down there, John 3.16. Google had almost 100 million hits during game time of people who wanted to know what John 3.16 was. We might take that for granted. But our world, our community, wants to know. How can we get that out? Not only by what we say, but by what we do. Jesus knew that talking about God's outrageous grace and his acceptance of how we are was not enough. So Jesus, he he lived it, he expressed it, and he gave picture after picture after picture after picture of what the invitation to God's grace was like. He said, it's like a shepherd risking 99 sheep to find the safety of that one lost sheep. It's like a father who had been rejected by a son, and that son moves out and squanders the wealth, and he returns. And the father humiliates himself to give the son a warm welcome back. Jesus said, It's like the picture of a housewife who jumps up and down because she has found something that seemingly is worthless to others, but something that was valuable to her that was lost and then was found. Jesus said, God's grace is like the man who throws a feast and tells the servants to go out and to bring people that others have forgotten and let them taste the juiciness of God's banquet. So over and over and over again, Jesus wanted to let people know that Father God was not their enemy, but he's the one who's been searching for him, longing to be with them. Well, what does that mean for us? How can we respond likewise in the things that we say, in the things that we do? Not just as individuals wherever we live and work, go to school, but how can we do that as a faith community together to embrace the vulnerable, the forgotten, I shared a couple of weeks ago that in the study that uh, a joint effort of our denomination and the denomination of the Reformed Church of America put together in looking at disabilities in North America, uh, that one out of every five households has someone with a disability. And so if you think about where you live or where you work, one out of every five has someone With a disability and they have found that many of those households greater than average don't have a church community a place where they can feel needed welcomed accepted we know that that happens with people of color and so we fight against the evil of racism but it can also happen to someone who shows up with a disability, that they find out that there is not a place set at the table for them. That we don't have access for you. We haven't prepared ourselves to welcome you. We're not ready to have you as part of our church. It's a difficulty that churches have to make sure that the church is ready and equipped and the people are practicing good etiquette good words good sharing so anyone that comes in people are welcomed warmly accepted supported cared for befriended known and needed eric carter who put this together in his study of families with someone in them that has a disability found that uh, families often don't come because they're going to be viewed as messy and they know that they're going to be a family that requires some extra care. Wrong way. There we go. And so he's put charts together and others have put charts together like this where uh, the blue dots represent us for the most part. And the color dots represent people who would have a disability of some kind. Well, they're often, they often experience church as being on the outside looking in or they're all kind of segregated together. But the goal is to include them, not only to include them within the fellowship in a certain area, but to include them in all areas of the community. Find out what their gifts are, what their likes are, areas where they can serve, areas where they can care. There's a big difference between churches that are ready to welcome and churches that are not. So Discovery's leaders and previous leaders have acknowledged that every person is made in the image of God, valuable important be treated with respect cared for and all people can be important parts of the body of Christ in the body of Christ called Discovery Church with their gifts and with their challenges we not only want to welcome people who have a disability we want to learn how to be better trained to use the right language, the right etiquette, and to have a good support system ready. We want to be committed to valuing people the way that God values each and every person and ready to engage with them, find out their gifts, discover how best we can come along and go on the journey with them with their struggles and not avoid them. So that's part of the journey that we're on and part of the journey that we're on during the late spring and early summer in my mind maybe not in yours our studies the fourth Sunday of the Holy Spirit and the studies of looking at what the Bible has to say about reaching out to people caring for them and folding welcoming engaging people who would have a disability, people who would be uh, maybe unacceptable in other circles. Those two go together because one of the great callings of the Holy Spirit, who not only comes into the lives of believers and empowers us, but he empowers us for action. He empowers us for ministry. He empowers us to move beyond ourselves to others one of the great ways that Jesus moved out is that he reached out to others that many others had forgotten. So let's do what we can to follow that example. We don't want to separate the teachings of Jesus from the practice of Jesus, but to meld them together. I invite you to join with me in prayer. Father God, we bless you so much for offering your warm welcome to each of us. Whether through a friend or through a family, whether through an event, whether through a word or prayer, thank you for inviting us to come and sit at your table. Thank you for preparing a place for us thank you for sending your son to suffer and die and rise again so that we have a pathway to come to your table through forgiveness and faith in jesus we know that you're welcome exceeds beyond these walls, beyond these doors. We pray, Father God, that you would empower us by your Spirit to offer your invitation to those around us at work, at school, at home, where we play. And that people would not only hear of that invite, But they would feel it and experience it through us we pray that you will be with us as a faith community as part of your body so that we too can properly invite and welcome and care for anyone who would come and long to be a part of your family and sit at your table help us to prepare your table well Help us to do what we can to make sure the places are set and that any barriers have been removed and that we can welcome with words and with heart anyone who comes. Father God, we lift up the body of Christ here at Discovery Church. For as you have drawn us together we care for each other, we want to express that we need each other, and so we lift up the needs of our faith community to you. We lift up Hugh's dad, that your grace and care would rest upon him, on Hugh's mom, and upon their whole family as Hugh's dad Actually, his parents face his father's cancer journey. We pray, Lord, for your peace and freedom from pain and your comfort. We pray for Jen's dad and for his upcoming procedure. We pray, Lord, that you will keep them safe, protected, that your peace and comfort would rest upon their family, and when the procedure comes, that that would go well. We pray for Calvin Quinlan. We pray, Lord, that you would be with the ongoing challenge with his heart. We pray that you would bring the healing that his heart needs. We ask that that healing would come and that when they do their next scan in three months, that they would find progress and they would find a, a good result from the scans that are done. We pray for Richard's upcoming surgery, not this week, but the following, that you will provide healing and health for him. That that would go well. We pray, Lord, for our family members who are in need of extra measures of grace for Gail and Gil and Joe and Pam. We pray, Lord, that you will give to them uh, double measures of grace on days in which they feel especially in need, and however they feel that need. We pray, Lord, that they would be assured and reminded of your great love and care for them. We pray for our students and administrators and teachers and parents. We pray, Lord, for our students' learning that it would be directed so that they can see your hand in every aspect of creation. Keep leading our young people so they can see your desired future for them as you lead them in their education. And we pray for families that are struggling, struggling in so many levels, but we pray for our families. We lift them up. We pray for families that are asking for wisdom, asking for restoration, asking for strength Father, we join with these prayers. We pray that you will provide. We pray for your church worldwide that is sending the word out. We pray for our missionary partners in this day and this week. We pray for world renew. We pray for the Siwalkas, that you would be with them to strengthen them as they minister to people in South Central Africa, not only teaching them ways to care for their families, ways to care for their community, but as they also share the good news of Jesus. We pray for our neighbors on Sun Metal Drive. We pray that you would give to them an extra blessing this week, and that they would know that that blessing comes from you. And so we pray, Lord, that you will Continue to fill us with your spirit. Give us the eyes of Jesus. Give us the love of the Father. Give us the power of your spirit to see those in need and to not pass them by, but to reach out through your care and your love to show who you are. We pray these things, Father God, in the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said, Amen.